Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Hello and welcome to Self-Improvement Atlas, the personal science insight podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Aditi Kuti. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to Self-Improvement Atlas. Uh, once again, I'm here with Paul Milburn, um, who is a personal life and income protection insurance special advisor and also one of Australia's leading business protection specialists. Thank you so much for joining me in the studio today. Thanks for having me, Aditi. Uh, it's always wonderful to have someone in the studio because I find it's just so much easier to talk that way. Um, but can you tell us a bit more about yourself? First of all, I agree. I've uh, got significant Zoom and uh, Microsoft Teams fatigue. So definitely enjoy seeing people, seeing the whites of their eyes and having a real conversation. Um, but yeah, look, I'm a, I guess a financial planner is what I am by trade. Uh, however, I specialise in the business protection and the personal risk insurance space. So if you pull the jargon out for a second, in reality, I give advice around life insurance, income protection, trauma insurance, disability insurance. And as I often say, I use life insurance contracts to solve real business problems. So often working in the space where businesses have multiple shareholders that aren't husband and wife and helping create funding mechanisms to transfer shareholdings if someone passes away or becomes disabled, which those documents are often written in shareholders agreements and equally helping fund retirement of debt should the person that created that debt pass away within a business or again become disabled and also creating revenue protection inside businesses. So should you know a significant health event happen to a rainmaker or a key person inside a business, making sure there's cash to come into that so the business can keep moving forward and get through that current issue. Yeah, is that is that very common um, in business? Because I, I feel like that's something that often goes uh, um unthought of, I think, especially when people are creating their own businesses um, and starting. Yeah, so it's interesting. Mm. Um, I guess a lot of this comes back to how advice used to be distributed and how life insurance, and I use these words, clearly used to be sold. So I think it was relevant <laughs> when we had life agents back in the old days, when banks used to give advice. We'd certainly had a lot of it. As that as the market has matured and changed and the banks have left the advice industry, the market has shrunk. But equally, Aditi, all it means is there's more people that have these problems and more businesses that have these problems. And one of the key reasons being is if we think about this, the backbone of the Australian economy is the small business owner. Most of the small business owners, ignoring the business, they're a husband, a wife, a father, a mother of a family. Yeah. And the backbone, again, of the Australian economy is credit. And these business owners, they're borrowing money. And usually when they're borrowing money, a business owner signs twice. They sign first of all for this piece of debt as the business owner, and then they sign as the guarantor. And what that does, Aditi, is in reality, it replaces the family as the first heir of an estate to the lending institution. And it moves that family 
from a place of a security and assurance, I guess you might say, should the business owner pass away or become disabled, to a place of uncertainty. And what people like myself do, if in, in really simple terms, is create a mechanism through insurance to pay out debt and retire that debt should certain events happen. If we do that, we remove the bank in reality as the first heir to the estate and replace them back again with the family. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of consolidating, I, I guess, that legacy and making sure that the business stays within the family instead of heading, you know, in the case of, especially if a primary business owner or a small business yeah. has passed away or become disabled, that that's a real struggle. Correct. Yeah. Allows them to move on with business continuity, um, their business continuity plans and, and in a really bad and crappy situation, um, at least deal with one of the biggest issues. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, we are going to talk a lot about that um, today across our episode. But first, we have this segment called Have You Met Paul Milburn? Where I <laughs> I ask you a little bit about um, uh, kind of your preferences around pop culture and that kind of thing. And then um, our audience can kind of get to know you a little bit better before okay. we start talking about the sometimes mystifying topic of insurance. <laughs> are you happy to answer a few questions? Certainly, Aditi. Uh, fantastic. What is your favourite book, if you have one? My favourite book, um, it probably evolves or, or changes. Um, it's actually a book called Scorpion, a uh, Venom, I should say, not Scorpion. And I can't think of the Netflix show that happened a couple of years ago, but it's about a young uh, Indian boy born in Saigon that goes on to murder lots of people. And for the life of me, I can't think of the Netflix series right now. I might have a look at it. But the book itself is called Scorpion. Scorpion. Okay, cool. When you said Venom, I thought I thought of the, the superhero, the Spider-Man guy. No. No, 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 for sure. Um, I was like, that's not a book or it's technically a comic book. But <laughs> either way, um, what is your favourite movie? I'm assuming it's not Venom. Um, no, no. I don't really have one, to be honest. I don't, I don't watch many movies or sit down for long enough. But if I probably did, it would probably be The Hangover or oh, yeah. or Step Brothers or something like that. Yeah, yep, an easy one. What's the last one that you watched? Actually, it was Step Brothers for at the 400th time. <laughs> it is a great but, movie. It's yeah. a huge rewatch uh, value from that one, for sure. I'm probably more likely to watch the, t the 2022 Geelong Grand Final on replay. Right, right. Than, I think that's I a movie. I think that's got <laughs> dramatic value. <laughs> that counts. Uh, what about a podcast you've been listening to lately? I listen to a few um, besides football and cricket podcasts when they come out. Um, there's a couple of podcasts out of America I listen to, uh, probably one a bit similar to this called the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. Um, so I listen to that a fair bit and, and their guests. And there's another podcast as well by a, um, I guess he's a business coach. He's been doing it for 40 or 50 years and I've just stumbled across his podcast and he does a 10-minute episode every single week but I've got to go back 10 years and just yeah work through it yeah I feel like especially with a 10 minute podcast you can just binge them so easily yeah but then with 10 years of podcast is a lot I'm sure that's a lot of a lot of minutes to go into do you have a famous role model that you looked up to a famous role model I looked up to Oh, look, growing up as a kid, it was either Shane Warne or, or Gary Ablett. I think that would have been like most people that grew up in Australia in, in my socio de uh, demographic background. Mm -hmm. um, professionally, I think I've been very lucky. 
professionally to have worked at various times with some really fantastic um, industry leaders uh, and, and, and business people. So um, a, a gentleman called Terry Brain, who did an awful lot in my particular industry through the 70s, 80s, 90s and, and 2000s. Mm-hmm. And equally where I work today, one of the directors, Michael Wilkins, you know, for the seven or so years I've been where I am, ha- has been fantastic as well for me. Absolutely. I feel like that's four for the price of one. So that's a great answer, in my <laughs> opinion. Um, what about the last course that you completed? I'm currently fi- finishing a grad diploma in financial planning. Oh, awesome. Um, so I'm one of those lucky people or unlucky people, Aditi, that started in financial services when it was a cottage industry. Right. And um, and I've been through the journey of, you know, degrees on the back of wheat mix papers through to um, now the requirement to have a real degree. So yeah, yeah. I had to do four units to mm. um, to do that. So I've got two units left mm, to, mm. to finish that. So is it kind of like a, is it a semester or term-based thing? When do you finish? Semester. Right. I should finish at the end of this year. Got good luck. <laughs> as, as a uni student myself, I sympathise. <laughs> uh, but that does bring us to the end of that segment. Um, so you are known. And our audience has gotten to know you a little bit. Uh, And now we can finally move on um, to the meat of our episode, which is about life protection and business protection in particular in the context of that that life insurance and what you were talking about. Um, Our podcast is about personal development. So to start off very broadly, I wanted to ask you, how do you define personal development? It's an interesting one, Aditi. I mean, I think personally I've been on a bit of a journey uh, and have only, I think, in reality, maybe discovered this as it's become a bit more popular as well. Um, you know, I think back to some job interviews I did 10 or so years ago and they were saying, how did you get to where you are today? And I was talking about, well, I just watched YouTube videos, which is probably half of what you do <laughs> as as well. I'm a massive believer in you've got to invest in yourself uh, and only you can, can control your destiny Um I, you know, I don't think people that rely on their employer to fund them on studies or send them on courses or, or, or conferences. Uh, and I know this personally, that if my employer pays for something, I'm probably less likely to actively engage than I am if, if I'm going to write the cheque from my family's um, joint bank account. Um, so, but I'm a massive believer. And if you, if you don't challenge yourself to get better, uh, and improve whatever aspect of of your personal and prote- professional life you're going backwards mm-hmm. uh, and and equally in a bit of the whole person uh, as well um, you know there's no use being better at your job if you're not a better person in your community or in my case a better husband or a better father yeah yeah absolutely I think that having that balance is so important to, to making you better in every aspect almost yeah yes. Yeah, for sure. And what do you feel are the the main challenges um, towards personal development? Time. Time, yeah. (laughs) Life has never been more demanding. Um, And, you know, as someone that's in a service-based role, just the the demands that we talk about the demands our clients have on us, but we have them on our service providers and our clients as well, is that, we're in this world of instant gratification and, and everything at our fingertips. And there's been that big blur in the last few years as well, as well, I should say, around, you know, we used to have this thing called work-life balance. I think now it's genuinely work-life integration. Yeah. Uh, and we're trying to work through through that as well. 
Uh, I think you know, a lot of the work I'm sure you're doing is you know around how to reschedule your day and how to structure things and how to put me time in. I don't think anyone's worked it out exactly. Maybe Tony Robbins or <laughs> or someone like that. But it's it's time, mm. um, and then the noise is the other hardest one uh, as well because you get pulled in five thousand directions. Um, and I think we're we're almost at a point where we have to be more selfish about ourselves than ever before. That's true. That's true. I, I, I feel like, at least for me personally, and I don't know if you found this yourself, the time and the noise are often interlinked. It's like I have a very finite amount of time and then there's that noise kind of eating at it very slowly. The worst thing ever, Aditi, is Microsoft Teams in a professional environment. Yes. And yes. then your, your your phone office number now runs through it. So yeah. you can you can be on a Teams meeting while someone's pinging you on Teams, while someone's calling your landline through Teams, yes. while your mobile phone's ringing and someone else is SMSing you mm-hmm. and a WhatsApp's going off in a Facebook messenger. Yes. Uh, and we forgot about emails as well. Emails too. I, I'm so glad that you're bringing up Microsoft Teams, Lander, because it is my least favourite thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, so sick and tired of it. It doesn't even work half the time <laughs> when it does um uh, i want to add that we're not affiliated with any no <laughs> any platform um on this podcast but um yeah no i'm very here for the microsoft team slander <laughs> so <laughs> for it um i guess we might kind of focus in on our topic for the day which is insurance protection specifically in your your specialization in business protection so how do you define insurance protection Yep. And we might handle the question of what business protection is a bit later, although you did kind of explain it at the start too. No worries. I try and keep things really simple. Mm-hmm. So in terms of insurance at the end of the day, everybody loves something or someone. Mm-hmm. And in reality, if they love something, whether that's their house, their car, their phone, um, the, 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 the wedding ring, the watch, they're usually going to insure it. Uh, obviously, I don't deal in that side uh, of the insurance landscape, but I deal in the, on, I guess, on the side of if we love someone mm-hmm. um, and, and that aspect of it. And we go through a life journey mm-hmm. at the end of the day and we're all somewhere on that life journey. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you know, I genuinely feel that if we have responsibilities in life, and those responsibilities can change from just ourselves to to looking after a family, children, parents, um, if we own businesses, to looking after our staff, our community, as well. But if we if we if we love someone, mm-hmm. then and we're and we're financially responsible for them, then we probably have some kind of responsibility to ensure them or us being financially protected in some way as well. Absolutely, absolutely. That yeah, I, I think sometimes we forget that insurance is is about protection rather than I guess some people see it as a scam in some ways. Oh, or yeah. just kind of like a just in case kind of yeah. thing. Like it very much is peace of mind. Well the thing is a ditty, I mean insurance is just a contract. I don't care what insurance it is, it is just mm. a contract. Mm-hmm. And the name of a policy, so you know, whether it's car insurance, well, it's just car insurance, right? I mean, I don't know how many car insurance policies they are, but there's thousands of contracts. Yeah. Um, in my space, whether it's disability or income protection, it's just the name of something. Yeah. It's the terms and conditions mm. that are really important. And certainly we can go online and purchase something. Mm. We can trust our super fund 
in what it might do, mm-hmm. uh, a comparator website, uh, the the generally the general market. But certainly, I guess the reason why I believe people see me uh, and see the other sixteen thousand financial advisors, by the way, is they have an expectation of what a claim should look like for them. Yeah. That if they suffer a certain health event, mm-hmm. they have an expectation of what the financial outcome should be. Mm and what the claim should look like. And I really believe it's a financial advisor's job to understand that and then ensure that within the client's budget, those demands or needs can be met or prioritised depending on what that might be. And probably a really good example, certainly a lot of people I work with uh, on the private or the personal side is you've usually got, you know, decent income families, kids at private schools, um, mortgage usually at its highest level uh, as a result. Um, the families are enjoying their life, but there's an expectation of, well, you know, I'll use my family as an example. If I'm not here today, my wife still needs to have a roof over her head. Um, my girls, well, they finished school now, one's at uni, but she still needs to be educated. They still need to put food on the table. And if, you know, in a single-income family in our case, if something's going to happen to me, it's going to affect four people. Absolutely, absolutely. And that kind of leans into my next question about business protection specifically, which is what you were describing earlier and that people are running small businesses and, and something happens to the main kind of business owner, the main breadwinner, single-income families in your case. Yeah. Something needs to kind of be put in place to protect the rest of the family. Well, I can give you a great example through mm-hmm. that we're dealing with right now. It's a, first of all, it's a cracking business. And, and this is the, the wonderful thing, right? People can look from the outside and go, oh, they've got a great car, they've got great holidays, but you actually don't know what's happening in the balance sheet and the business, the real world. A lot of businesses, if they're not in pain, they're about to be in pain. There's, you know, potential recessions going on. Um, working in an accounting firm, I get to see some of the front end of, of, of those client discussions. But we've got a client where it's a, it's a three-partner business. There's a fair bit of debt in that business. Uh, each of them, the directors, is jointly and severally liable, which means you have one in all in. To, to keep it nice and easy. And they've got some guarantors on their on, on their family homes as well. One of them passed away very suddenly uh, about a month or so ago and the bank closed down or stopped banking facilities because they had covenants on the loans that they could allow to do that and they needed to be comfortable as to how they were going to get their money back. Yeah. Um, is this an ongoing viable business? Are we going to get repaid? And we can bank bash all we want, but they're within their rights and it's in the contract. Mm-hmm. And whether you're buying a house, a car or a business, you got, when, when, when you're looking for money, all you care about is the money. You're not so concerned usually about the T's and C's. Yeah. And in this particular circumstance, what we were able to very quickly do was give the bank absolute comfort of here's a certificate of currency that says this amount of life insurance will be paid out Right, to yeah. this particular entity, mm-hmm. it was backed up with a legal document that was drawn up at, at the time and the bank quickly released, you know, the business could trade again mm-hmm. because they were comfortable as to what was going to happen. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. Is that common in that um, when someone passes away, is there a way to prevent that and let the bank know beforehand? How, how do you go about it? 
well, death doesn't always happen at the right time. You can't not. always you can't yeah. always front foot some of those some yeah. of those things. And look, prevention always is the best cure uh, mm. in, in that respect. But within that identity, I guess you know we're dealing with something post event, mm-hmm. and the best way to deal with it is is in preparation. So I always tell my my business owning clients that the if the best way to plan for the worst case scenario is when everyone's happy, mm-hmm. healthy, and in love. Mm-hmm. Because especially when you have business partners, you're not always guaranteed to be happy, healthy, or in love um, <laughs> in in the future. Sure. And that way, you know, a documented, and I'm talking everything here, document how we're going to deal with, you know, whether it's divorces, marriage, splits, significant health events, of um, one of us wanting to retire, one of us wanting out of the business. If you document all of that in, in a place that's good, not in a place of dire need, then usually you can pull the rule book out, so to speak, and refer to the rule book. Yeah, Um, Yeah, for sure, for sure. How do you feel all of that relates to personal development? It's an interesting question. Mm. We were discussing it a little bit before. Mm. I think I take a bit of a left of centre view, but, but equally a lot of the life insurance companies do as well. The reality is you're buying a personal insurance contract at the end of the day not wanting to claim on it because if you are claiming on it, you've had some kind of significant health event, whether that be an illness, an accident or death. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of cases, self-care is where we're coming into things from here. You know, we know that mental health, for example is the number one rising form of disability and, and, and income protection claims. We also know the ramifications that mental health have on other comorbidities. So things like cancers, strokes, heart disease, mm-hmm. they're all interlinked. I was actually at a seminar yesterday um, and one of the, uh, the, 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 the um, I guess we'll call them add-ons from a life insurance company was spruiking their health and wellness package but they've been doing it for 10 years now. They've got some really good data around different cohorts where they've given them fitness watches and sort of said, hey, you know, these were a cohort of people that were overweight and we gave them exercise challenges, got their weight down and, you know, here's the benefits and we can now compare that from a claims experience mm-hmm. um, to people that don't look like that and also no different when we actually do have health issues. You know, we do know that people that are, that are healthier recover from their health issues far quicker. So that's not quite the direct personal development answer, but I think it comes down to the whole self-care. Equally what we know is that should you suffer from, you know, a significant health event, do you want to be worrying about your finances? Yeah. Um, And, you know, for anyone that's seen me on LinkedIn, I've posted about this a few times, that nothing crushes my soul more than seeing a GoFundMe page for a poor, wonderful young family, usually, who is raising twenty or thirty thousand dollars, so you know they can pay the bills for a little bit. Yeah. Um, when all of that could have been solved through, you know, a, a, a trauma insurance contract, for example, mm-hmm. um, which would usually, with with some good financial advice, anyway, um, cost far less than donations, and you know potentially pay out a, a much larger lump sum when a family's in need. And, you know, I know this from from my clients. Um, Taking away the financial stress 
and allowing them to rec- to focus on their recovery is one of the most important aspects of their recovery. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I'm also thinking, I guess, in the event of death, they're probably not worrying about their financial situation as much, but it means that their loved ones don't have to deal with all of that on top of grieving the loss of a loved one. Certainly. So, I mean, I um, I probably should have asked my sister permission to tell this story um, and her friend, but my brother-in-law passed away from cancer when he was 35 years old. Um, and the good news, I guess, of this is my sister was left financially secure for the rest of her life. A few years after that, one of their close friends, uh, who I think she just had her second child at the time, husband was diagnosed with a very aggressive form of cancer. And I get this because I have these conversations every day, but we've got Medicare, I've got private health insurance, the PBS, etc., etc. But not everything's covered by the government. Not everything's simply there. They they had to spend substantial money, and I'm talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars for preventative medication to keep this gentleman alive. And I think from memory he was diagnosed when the second child was two or three weeks old, so it was that new. He only lived for six months. By the time, and I understand exactly, you know, we would all do this. We would sell our houses, our cars. Uh, our parents would, you know, refinance the house. We would all do this. When he passed away, that was a situation that was left. He was, you know, he left a wife with two young children with nothing. Um, and again, all of that could have been solved through some forward planning. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Oh, I don't really know how to segue from that. <laughs> That's a tough one, I get it. Um, I, it does answer my next question <laughs> of why insurance protection is important for the individual. Um, but uh, I guess to kind of go into like the nitty gritty, okay, people are convinced they need to get insurance. What do we need to bear in mind when we are searching for an insurance provider? So obviously as a financial planner or a financial advisor, mm-hmm. I'm going to advocate very strongly for the 16 or so thousand financial advisors in Australia mm-hmm. and look you in the eye and say, Aditi, the value a financial advisor can give you in providing advice around the products you need um, match to the outcomes you're looking to achieve should something happen, mm-hmm. the sums insured, the styles of contracts, the structure of the contracts, that to me is paramount and I often think about this because my younger brother would um, would say that if I, I can get it cheaper online um, but equally that can be a misnomer sometimes mm. but it's back to my earlier comment of you know contractual definitions are the most important thing yeah. and every time I hear someone you know usually poo-poo a disability or an income protection contract it is simply because they have a junk contract Right. that they just they have through their super fund or they, mm-hmm. they purchased online. Mm-hmm. Um, the value of advice is certainly there. So it's a long-winded answer, but search for a financial advisor. There's 16 or so thousand of them out there um, and they will help steer you in the right direction. The other things really to consider are, and I ask my clients this you know, as well, and I say to them, I don't want you into solution mode. Don't tell me how you're going to solve the problem. But tell me, you know, if you didn't get up this morning, what would the financial ramifications be? Mm. Um, I don't think you're married, did he? No, I'm no, not. We'll, no. we'll use me as an example. You know, I'm married, um, adult girls, but mm-hmm. but equally, you know, they're still financially responsible. Mm-hmm. If I couldn't get up this morning, 
you know, once my sick leave is done, there's a bit of money in the bank, but we would start to struggle to pay the bills. So at some point, if I have a significant health issue, I'm going to need to replace my income. Yeah. I'm far too young to retire and have not built up my own empire yet to, <laughs> to, to, to be self-funded retired. Yeah. So I'm going to need help making sure that I can get through that journey. Mm-hmm. Equally, because we're a single-income family, the reality is I'm going to have to look after my wife for that journey. We made that election for her to raise the children. Yes. Um, so yeah. it is, you know, I am financially responsible for that as well. Mm-hmm. The other side then is, you know, and obviously life insurance does talk to that as well, but it's if we do suffer a significant health event, and I'm I'm 40 now, Diddy. Mm-hmm. So statistically speaking, 42 is um, the magical age where all of a sudden, allegedly, um, we start to find little things going wrong with our bodies. Um, that's not to say younger people don't have things like cancer and strokes as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, statistically speaking, 42 is the magical age. Mm-hmm. Um, that's terrifying to know. I still mm. have a while to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we could sit here and have a very morbid conversation. Um, <laughs> yeah. Equally what scares me though is the fact that we haven't been going to doctors for three years. Mm. Um, so, you know, insurance companies tell us that at 42 is a magical age where there's a little bit wrong. Right. And um, and but we, but we can repair you, right, and you'll be off work yeah. for three months, six months. Yes. Um, but without going to the doctors for, for three years in reality for a lot of Australians, mm. uh, and we're seeing this in our client base now, they're coming to us with a lot wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and within that as well, I mean, what does trauma insurance do? And this is what... Because trauma insurance is not sold or packaged through a super fund, most Australians don't have it. It's you, You've got to usually see a financial advisor or, or actively seek it. Ignoring what it can do, what does it do? It, it, it simply transfers financial risk from your balance sheet that you may or may not have to an insurance company through a lump sum payout. I don't care whether that lump sum's $10,000 or $2 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything's relevant to a premium and I understand that. But what does it do? It provides a form of financial security. Mm-hmm. And certainly, I mean, this morning, Aditi, you know, one of my clients received a $400,000 check. Uh, in November last year, um, she was a very fit and healthy, you know, mid-50s woman um, looking forward to, you know, her husband is a few years older, slowing down soon and, and the future. And she woke up pretty poorly one morning and the next four months has been a downhill slope, I think is the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, she has a, a very, very aggressive form of dementia. Oh, goodness, yeah. And while $400,000 sounds like a lot of money, um, that'll go fairly quickly in giving her the care that the family need, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, that yeah. the family need because in their particular circumstance, you know, her husband still has to go to work yeah. or... Yeah, he's now got some choices to go to work, but up yeah. until that check, he has to go to work. Mm-hmm. Their children are adults. They don't live in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, her parents are elderly and they don't live in Melbourne. We've now got choice. Uh, other people use it on medical. I've got colleagues that, you know, went to Russia for revolutionary treatment that cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's what it was used for. Um, and it's back to my comment on, on, on you know, how my soul gets crushed when I see people raising money and, and GoFundMe pages are fantastic, so I'm not poo-pooing them in any way, shape, manner or form, but I look at that and go, trauma insurance in particular, but life insurance, all it is, it's a sophisticated social version of a GoFundMe page where the community has got together 
They've collectively paid some premiums. Mm -hmm. And when a member of that community needs to call on some of those premiums, there it is for them. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, That brings us to the end of the main segment. Um, So thank you so much for answering those questions. Um, We do have our next segment, which is called the practice slash habit experiment debrief, where we try to take a bit of what we've learned and put that into practice. So what do you recommend to people to maybe try at home? Gee, this is a long rope, isn't it? <laughs> it is, isn't it? It's quite a long rope. Well, one of the, I guess another way to phrase it is like, do you have something um, that that you do um, to kind of, I guess, maximize and make the most of your insurance? Yep, yep. There's a few things there I think I did here. And I think to me, and this may be just beautiful timing given what I attended yesterday, mm-hmm. um, I believe that the Australian public is, is actually – looking for more from their their, their, their life insurance providers mm-hmm. as well. Um, we're now in a global world and our life insurance companies are also in that global world. You know, none of them are owned by Australians anymore. Yeah. Um, and I think that's good because it actually gives us global aggregation of data and, mm-hmm. a, and expertise. So there's a couple of things to that is that they're also morphing themselves into health and wellness businesses yeah. as, as well. Why are they doing that? Because they know prevention reduces claims mm-hmm. uh, and equally being healthy and and gets you know a, a, an injured or ill person back to work faster mm-hmm. and so that that i find is interesting so I'd actually i'd encourage people if you do have a life insurance and income protection and disability contract to have a look at what your insurance company is actually providing in that health and wellness space because mm-hmm. there's some really good apps benefits um a few of them now in fact also have access to uh, I'm going to call the best doctors around the world. Okay. So if you hold a policy with some of those insurance companies and you, you've got a, an acute health issue for you or, or a relative, you actually can access those. And we've heard some fantastic stories. And I heard one yesterday about uh, a claimant who uh, had a very, very sick young child and they used the service and there was a specialist in Sri Lanka of all places oh, wow. that just happened to be an expert in this particular disease wow yeah <laughs> and the family was able to scrounge to get enough money to take the young child to Sri Lanka and move them from you know not being out you know your child will no longer be here before mm-hmm. kindergarten to now being 22 years old mm. and that was all through accessing one of those services so I think you know there's so many apps out there now uh, and certainly the insurance companies are, are are equally promoting promoting that the other one to that as well, Aditi, is we're seeing more and more is that if you are on particularly an income protection claim, they're offering, I'll call it intervention services, but not in a negative way. Um, and we're seeing that more and more as well with, you know, how can we work with you to give you some form of quality of life, whether it's return to work, be you know active in the community again. So I think from that insurance lens, and the other one is, is I think, mental health as mm-hmm. well. And we've again, we've discussed it. But we're seeing this in our business. The industry is seeing it as a whole. Uh, it is a, you know, so people often complain to me, Aditi, about, and you're a bit too young for this, but, you know, why has my income protection premiums gone up so much over the last six or seven years? Yeah. There's a couple of small reasons, but there's a really big one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it, it's centred around that that mental health. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, this, this podcast certainly is addressing 
that as a, as a broader community-based issue, but taking care of ourselves. Uh, if this was Paul of 10 years ago, he'd be laughing about this, to, to be honest. It's just, and maybe it's a bit of the, um, not that I'm that old, but a bit of, you know, the age and socio, you know, demographic, but we see it and, and see it every single day. Um, and, you know, the pressure of, of just the world piling up. I think self-care, preventative self-care, whether it's, you know, apps like Calm or the insurance companies and what they might be providing. Um, you know, we, we again, we spoke about some of this earlier and I don't think we have all the answers yet, but, you know, whether it's working out what, what work-life integration might look like or work-life balance might look like and putting boundaries and structures in place yeah, uh, sure. and, and, and taking care of ourselves. And, you know, if you were talking to a... Um, a traditional financial planner here about budgeting, for example, they'd be talking about paying yourself first. Yeah. And I think from our health and in particular our mental health, mm-hmm. it is where I think we're now at that point where we need to pay ourselves first. Yeah, sure. I also feel like, you know, just the pandemic, having <laughs> been us in Melbourne being stuck at home for almost two years or the better part of two years has made mental health kind of just unavoidable to think about. Like it's just we can collectively feel how much it's been eaten into over that time. Uh, Aditi, I could, I can tell a million war stories, but I was managing a team of, um, at the start of the pandemic, I think 25 or 30 advisors, um, and then we had our support staff, and I would look at some of my, my staff, in Victoria in particular, and they were mo- single mothers, two young children, mm-hmm. um, and I thought, oh, I didn't have any of those problems, and I'm still struggling, yeah. let alone I don't have to make breakfast, lunch and dinner, homeschool yeah. you know i'm just dealing with clients every day and and, and business issues yeah. um and my girls were big enough that they didn't need me to to kick their backside to do school work mm-hmm. um i just I, I couldn't fathom how with you know the pressures that we had for 40 hours a week to then add on the home life as well yeah. um and equally well, it's a bit of a tangent but as someone that got to have a bit of an, an, a, a national and an anz lens on that I genuinely don't think people from the other states actually understood the impact it had on on people in Victoria. That a lot of the other states had the choice, or you know, it's recommended to stay home. They had that choice, yeah. and they and they reorganised their life. We didn't have a choice. Mm. Um, we, you know, and that what I think that done to, done to a lot of our heads to have the choice of what you can and can't do, and the freedoms taken away. Um, and I don't think we've seen that fully. Or I think we've seen the start of that playing out, sure. uh, and, and this is horrible. But you know, if you talk to um, family lawyers, the number or lawyers in general, the two the two biggest growing parts of their practice, mm-hmm. family law and estate planning or, or estate contesting. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I mean, quick plug to my other podcast, Reliscope, where I talk to a lot of relationship experts, but they've talked about how bad the effect of the pandemic all over the world, but also in Melbourne has been on relationships in particular. And that also ties into, you know, kind of what we're talking today about life insurance and and if your family changes, you know, keeping on top of that and making sure your money is going to the right mm. people. Yeah. That's, again, probably a plug for the 16,000 financial advisors and why using an advisor is so important, Aditi. Because if we go to the worst case scenario, here of a family breaking up, um, and I'm going to put 5,000 caveats around uh, this is not advice uh, and speak to an advisor. Of course. And I'm not course. giving taxation advice and everything else. But, of course, yeah. 
But superannuation law is is really specific and bespoke uh, and how death benefits should be paid out. Um, And if your marriage is broken down or relationship's broken down and you pass away, where that money goes may not be where you want it to go or how it's used may not be how you want it to be used. Um, And quite genuinely, I'm dealing with that again this Friday. Oh my goodness, um, yeah. You know, and we think about life insurance being so simple, but in this particular case, we need money to get to a certain spot at a certain time in a very bespoke fashion. Right. And and due to the relationship breakdown, the way it's currently housed will not achieve that. Oh, jeez, um, yeah. And so those, those are the little things that, you know, advisors can really add value to their clients around, you know, when changes in circumstances, changes in lives and... You know, going back to that same thing I say all the time is that insurance, the, the, the idea of insurance at the end of the day is making sure the right money gets the right hands at the right time as mm-hmm. quickly as possible. Yeah, sure. I guess going back to kind of our, our practice, um, which is kind of that preventative self-care, what are the challenges around this? Why, why do you think people might be inhibited from practicing proper self-care? I think it's time, isn't it? It's back mm, to it's, back to that. Yeah, yeah. It it's again. It's, it's harder today than it's ever been in 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 reality to to find time. Um, you know, again, we we're talking before about what what we don't get taught at school, mm. and I don't have primary school age kids, so I really can't talk to some of this exactly. Yeah, for sure. But I'm sure again, structuring our days, structuring our lives, mm-hmm. um, these are the new skills that we have to be to be taught and. I do know this from my nieces. They practice mindfulness. I think it is yeah. after morning recess and lunchtime. Oh, okay, cool. Every day. Um, yeah. As part of school? As part of school, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, and now we're talking, I think about this. Um, I read that book, uh, was it The Resilience Project, and oh, yeah. uh, sent it through to one of my sisters. Mm. And um, they talk about, you know, practicing, you know, the book talks about, you know, practicing gratitude every night. And they now do it with my nieces who are, how, well, one can't talk. So they must be three and five, I think, the two that can talk and, you know, what are they grateful for every day? So I think it's, you know, maybe we're starting on that next part of the journey. Yeah. But equally for, you know, people my age that are, that are 40 years old, um, we're learning a new trick and we're probably a bit of an old dog um, yeah. trying to learn a new trick. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but it, it is worthwhile going yeah. through that, for yeah. sure. Um, would you recommend this kind of preventative self-care and this feels like a no-brainer but I like to ask it just to be explicit would you recommend it to everyone or are there groups of people that maybe this advice doesn't quite bode well for or doesn't quite jive fully with I think everyone needs to look after themselves um yeah you know look we all have different versions of medicine Mm -hmm. you know plenty of people sit there with the sports bed app on all afternoon and all night um, we could go across the road to the pokies and I'm sure we'll find some wonderful people there doing their version of, of, of self-medication. And that's not to look down on people that gamble, by the way, or, or, or choose to go to the pokies. But, um, you know, we know each of those forms ruin lives, let alone alcohol, drugs. Yeah. Um, I'm constantly baffled at Ditty that, you know, that statistic that 100,000 children sleep in danger every night, I, I can't picture it or fathom it. You know, given I was raised in a very loving, safe family and equally my family is the same, but we know this, that, uh, you know, most of those issues, a lot of those issues, I should say not most, 
ultimately come out of, you know, people that are dealing with their own issues and their own demons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that addiction, unfortunately, is a disease in a way. It definitely. It has to be cured. Definitely. Um, do you have any recommendations of a practice or a habit that might be combined with preventative self-care? Off the top of my head, you've already recommended getting a financial <laughs> advisor, which would definitely help. There's... um. I should I should have prepared for this. I've been, <laughs> I've been doing a roadshow with one of my colleagues, mm-hmm. and uh, who and he talks about the value that a financial planner brings around. Um, and they've there's been a study that's quantified the extra investment performance you get through the the, the mental aspects, shall I say, mm-hmm. uh, of financial advice. But for me personally, I guess I'll talk to what I've done, um, and again that's been a journey as well. But if I go back 10, 12 years ago. You know, I um, I used to stay awake until the American stock market had opened. Um, up or down didn't matter because I was thinking about it anyway. Wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning, go to the toilet, pull the BlackBerry out, just check the S&P 500. Right. The brain keeps going again. Right, yeah. Wake up at 5.30, flick through mm-hmm. the emails, mm-hmm. you know, send a couple of notes to my staff. And that manifests right through now, by the way, just we don't have Blackberries anymore and I don't check the stock markets it's much worse with an iPhone I think because it's more accessible so I don't have any of those on on my phone but Mm. we fast forwarded now and COVID was the big one on this my thumb started getting sore at 10 30 at night wow Wow. I thought geez Paul you haven't left the house yeah you rolled downstairs at six o'clock started work at quarter past six and here you are on your phone sending emails at 10 30 at night the sore phone Mm. a sore thumb sorry this is just ridiculous Mm. um and Microsoft has this analytics around what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I had something like I responded to an email on average in 11 and a half minutes. Oh, my God. And, and why? Yeah. It's just stupid. <laughs> um, the world won't end yeah. if you don't respond to that email. Exactly. Yeah. But I totally understand that. Like I'm mm. the same as well and that I see an email and I have to answer yeah. it immediately no matter what time yeah. of night it is. But yeah. I think that's just it's crazy that we feel that way. So I started putting a few things in place then mm. and I took a work email off my mobile phone, mm. you know. But, geez, I'm here with you today. It's three or four hours, you know, people will be okay. Uh, I took Microsoft Teams off my mobile phone. Mm. Again, you know, if my laptop's open, I'll be working, right? If yeah. I'm not Absolutely. there, then I'll, I'll be back to you pretty quick. Mm. Um, we still have a thing called a telephone. We can still pick it up and, and talk to each other. Um, I do know people a bit younger than me, more like your age, don't necessarily like talking. Um, I'm totally <laughs> fine with using a telephone, but yeah. But, but, but within that, and then I think the big one, and again, a lot of what I'm saying now, I'm not sitting in my ivory tower because mm. I break these rules all the time. Of course. Um, and when I'm talking to, you know, I'll call it a lot of my staff of when I'm at my best, mm. I'm at my best when I'm not doing work before 8 a.m. because I choose not to do work before 8 a.m. Um, I'm at my best. I'm not working after six at night because I choose to. Because I know that I'm not going to solve any problem at seven o'clock at night that can't be solved at eight o'clock tomorrow morning. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then putting those structures in place. You know, um, Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of, of Highly Effective People. While it, I'd recommend the audio book, I think, because the written one's heavy and hard. It is. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, just some of those things on how you structure your day. It's you know, mm-hmm. nothing's changed in when that book will become out thirty. 40 years ago, mm-hmm. give or take, nothing's really changed. And, again, I find the best version of me is little things like the four quadrants and what's important, what's not important, how you get rid of it. Yeah. Um, you know, what if, if you know what, what structure, what diarise gets done, all those kind of things. And going back to the mental health aspect, mm-hmm. 
when I'm my best me, I don't feel stressed or worried and there can be 5,000 things going on and it's fine. If I don't follow my good habits and I can fall out of those very quickly, um, the train can go off the track and you get very flustered very fast. I think, at least in my experience as well, it's important not to get discouraged when you're kind of building these habits for yourself and setting these boundaries. As you said, it's very easy to break all the time, but it's kind of important to just keep trying. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that brings us to the end of this segment, um, the Experiment Debrief. So thank you so much for sharing your insights on that. I'm sure our audience will really appreciate it. We do have some questions um, from the audience. Are you happy to answer them? Definitely, Aditi. Fantastic. Um, So I guess the first question is, what are the most common questions and concerns people have when looking, purchasing insurance? It's cost at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, Some moron in insurance marketing some time ago Mm -hmm. decided to sell the cost, you know, the the race to the bottom of insurance. And that's how, you know, pull television up or whatever. Yeah. It's sold as a a grudge purchase and just get the cheapest and it will be okay. Sure, for Um, sure. So that's usually the the biggest, I'll call it, mental hurdle. Mm -hmm. Um, But once we change that conversation to value, Mm. Um, you know, cost is what we pay for value, right? Or, or what we pay for quality at, yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, this is, I think, probably more about um, life insurance as a whole, as opposed to business protection. That's but okay. um, how young is too young to get life insurance? Gee, great question. <laughs> I'll go back to, in my humble opinion, mm-hmm. what are you responsible for? Right. You know, I had a friend that had a child with his now what They've been married for 20-something years. Yeah. But, you know, we were in year 12 when she got pregnant and mm-hmm. they weren't married. Um, I know we didn't get life insurance, by the way. Um, but the reality was, you know, by the time we'd finished our VCE, um, they were financially responsible for a young child. By the time yes. yeah. by the time we were all 21, they had two children in the house. Mm. Um, so in that particular circumstance, probably 17 was the answer. In, in, in reality, if I use me, myself individually, you know, I didn't have responsibilities in life till I was 28, 29. Right, yeah. yeah you know, yeah. In, in reality... Um, on that one there. So I think it's back to that earlier comment of, you know, in this particular case, if you love someone, mm-hmm. you know, you, you do have some responsibility, whatever that might well be. Right, yeah, yeah. I think once you have dependents, whether that be a spouse or partner, yeah. whether that be children, whether that be a dog. <laughs> I think the interesting one is given the changing demographic of the Australian landscape as well. Mm. Um, and just to be clear, my wife's Asian, so that's why I talk to some of this. Yeah. The responsibilities that are coming from um, the new culture, or the new in culture anymore, but coming to Australia mm-hmm. and that family dynamic, I think changes some of this discussion. Of course. Um, of course. You know, because often the children are responsible for the parents. Mm. Uh, and I see this in some of my staff where, you know, their mum and dad have bought them their house in Australia. Um, they own their house in their home country, but they're sending money home every month now because mum and dad are retired. Yeah. Because they've fulfilled their obligation. Yeah, yeah. That makes yeah, that's that's a really great way of looking at it as well, mm-hmm. is that if you're a child you're still sometimes in some cultures yeah. dependent um um your um, parents depend on you if they're mm-hmm. retired, for sure. What's been interesting is even as we move into the, I'm gonna call it the age care cycle, because um, mm-hmm. that whole care thing is happening now, is that I think that'll start to change for some of those I'll call it the average 
you know, 40 to 50-year-old maybe Australian who's dealing with that parent who's now in their 70s and having that aged care discussion. Um, a lot of us live well above the minimum age pension. Um, and there may well be some requirements, I think, you know, to, to look after our parents who have, you know, lifestyle expectations above that as well, whatever that might may or may not look like. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, and I guess uh, this is, again, more of a general question. And I know you mentioned that we shouldn't talk about house insurance or any of that, but this question is a bit more general. It's uh, what are the main aspects of our lives that require insurance outside of, you know, our health and and the personal? Yeah. Hey, look, I've got to be clear, by the way, if we bought insurance for everything we could insure, we'd have no money to feed ourselves. <laughs> So there yeah. has to be some kind of yeah. um, sensible trade-off. And, you know, I've got four cats. Yeah. Um, I'm not spending 40 bucks a month or 160 for all of them yeah. to get pet insurance. I'm gonna, mm -hmm. uh, I've taken a calculated risk that, you right. know, I'm sure yeah. one of them will have some issues at some point. Mm -hmm. But I believe over, you know, hopefully their 15 to 20-year life journey, not buying insurance would pay off. So there has to be a sensible trade-off. Yeah. But I think, you know... I'm on the spot here, but I would imagine the pen and paper scenario, I think, is the best thing. Mm -hmm. Pen and paper scenario, and if this happened, what's the outcome? Right, I mean, yeah. We'll just use car insurance, right? Mm. Technically speaking, if you've got a million dollars in cash over there, do you need car insurance? Mm. But if you prang your Datsun 120Y into a brand new Porsche, do you want to pay the half a million dollars? Yeah. Um, so I think there's, you know, that, that, that sensible... Putting, you know, putting things down and saying, well, what's my priority? Um, you know, what do I need? And, you know, and, and what does it does it sit at? You know, and, and even reviewing things as well, Aditi. Mm. You know, there are plenty of um, older Australians, if I put this politely, who still have very comprehensive health insurance that don't quite realise they're paying for pregnancy. Right, and, um, yeah. and they just might be a bit past that part of their journey. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I guess it kind of boils down to like reviewing your policy as well and making sure that it is still relevant to you. Exactly right. Yeah. For sure, for sure. That's the end of the audience questions. Um, we now move on to our final segment of the episode, which is called the open mic, in which I let you have um, a TED talk <laughs> about whatever <laughs> you would like. Uh, did you have something that you feel you needed to address? Uh, many things. Uh, no. Um... <laughs> it's your soapbox. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm... I, I'm... What I'm given, I might do this two ways, mm -hmm. a, a ditty, um, and I'm probably repeating myself myself several times. But one of the things I find in a lot of my client conversations, a lot of my clients, um, they're highly driven, highly successful individuals, doctors, lawyers, accountants, professionals, business owners, and. One of the things they really forget, they sit there and think, well, I bring the bread home to feed everyone. Mm -hmm. And what they really forget, though, is what the role of the stay-at-home spouse often is, or even if not stay-at-home, their, their, oh, very politely, their income is is not what's going to pay the electricity bill. It might, you know, might send them to Bali for a holiday. However, what they forget is that, and there's lots of studies on, you know, what, 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 you know, the actual financial implications that a spouse has on, you know, in, in the, their role in the family. But we have choices in life, right? And I know this personally as a husband, that if my wife got diagnosed with breast cancer tomorrow, I'd like to call my boss up and say, I'm going to be with my wife. 
I've got, personally, I've got 62 working days of sick leave, which is three months of work. Um, I'll give you a call in three months' time mm. and we'll see what's going on. Of course. Now, for a lot of people, they don't have the financial means to do that. That They've got to rock up and go to work the day after, the day after and the day after. And I've seen it in my own family with some relatives where, you know, my mother's had to take people for, you know, to, for, for chemotherapy and the like because mm. their spouse has to go to work. Um, putting, I'll call it, a genuine value on, 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 on the stay-at-home spouse's contribution to the family is so important because I'm telling you, when something does go wrong, you won't regret having some kind of financial remuneration which gives you choices. Yeah. And that's the most important thing is having, I, I find, having choices. Yeah. And don't think it won't happen to us. Um, sadly speaking, Aditi, there's three of us in this room. Two of us are men. Uh, between, you know, well, I'm a bit older than than, 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 than than the other gentleman in the room. But um, sadly, statistically speaking, one of us will have cancer before 65, 70 years old. Um, I can't, for me personally, if I had it today, there'd be a fair financial impact yeah. on my family's life. So there's, yeah. there, there's, there's that aspect. That dovetails into something I, I truly believe, and I better credit a gentleman called Russell Collins with this because I've genuinely stole it off him, but debt should last no longer than the person who created it. Mm. And I think that's very important in personal life um, and equally in business life as well. And a lot of the stuff I do with businesses, especially in this environment, can be very hard to, to, to work our heads through. But if I keep it as simple as if you're a business owner and your business has debt and that debt can be the overdraft, it can be the maximum overdraft you might have at any one time in a, in, in a, in a year, um, your maximum expenses, your maximum uh, debtor's ledger. Uh, you know, if you've got carrying any form of debt, balance sheet debt, so dividend 7A loans, director's loans, um, retained profits, and retained profits, we could go to a whole different podcast around that kind of stuff, yeah. Diddy. Yeah. But if you've got debt on your balance sheet in a business somewhere, you probably need to address it mm. um, because should the worst happen, someone's going to be calling on whatever it might well be. And the solutions are just investing time at the end of the day. Uh, and obviously, you know, there, there might be a financial cost as well in terms of a premium, but whether it's on your personal life or, or, or the business life, seeing a good professional that has a good network, whether it be mortgage brokers, accountants, lawyers, um, their job is to help you understand what it is that, that's important to you and, and what your risks are and to help you put that strategy together to address those and then work with the other professionals to really put a tight package in place that means should the worst go wrong, mm -hmm. it's all going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, really, really important things to think about. Stuff like, you know, debt shouldn't last longer than the person who created it. Feels like such an obvious statement to make, but so easy to forget about. Um, so yeah, thank you so much no worries. for sharing that. Given you're a bit younger, that's the bank of mum and dad's very interesting there. Um, and I, you know, unfortunately, you know, relationships, was it 49% of first relationships or marriages don't work and we don't learn our lesson. So yeah. I think it's 59% of second marriages don't work. And so many people are now going to the bank of mum and dad 
Um, imagine something happened and, yeah. you know, me and my family haven't done this, but it doesn't mean we're any special. Yeah. But if anything happened to one of us, we could quite easily ruin our parents' retirement. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think about it now and that, you know, we, uh, there's things I'm paying for myself. I still live at home with my family. There's things I pay for myself, but there's things that uh, they do provide for me on account of me living with them. And I am over 25, so I, I have been around longer <laughs> than perhaps they want me to be. You're lucky to have my mother then. We were, I, told, we were told 20. if you're here by the time you're 25, we've got problems. I think the rent is uh, a little too steep. <laughs> I think they, my parents are kind of conscious of the fact that I can't afford that yes, or a house. The world's away. changed, I understand Things that. have changed a little, but um, I'm aware of the fact that I'm a financial burden on them at the moment as well. But I often think about, Yes, if something happens to them, it would affect me. But I also think if if I had health issues, the stuff that I am kind of, because there are things I can do to reduce the financial burden on them at the moment, all of that suddenly falls back on them um, or my little brother who has just become an adult. Yep. So, it, yeah, it's always something to kind of bear in mind and think about for sure. Definitely. Well, on that note, <laughs> thank you so much uh, for sharing your insights with me today. Uh, where can the people find you um, online or yeah. anywhere? Thanks, Aditi. Um, they can find me through LinkedIn, which is uh, Paul Milburn, M-I-L-B-O-U-R-N-E, so same as Melbourne, or www.paulmilburn.com.au. Fantastic. And we'll have all those links um, in the description and the show notes as well for people who want to find it. Thank you so much, Aditi. Wonderful. Um, it's been such a lovely time, uh, lovely time that I've had today, and I really appreciated the opportunity to chat with you. So thank you so much for being on the show. Likewise, thanks for having me. Thank you. You've been listening to Self Improvement Atlas, the personal science insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. For more episodes like this from ten different life management perspectives, search LMSL on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, so you can get updated on everything we have to offer. We have a wide range of topics readily available for you to check out. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it and subscribing to our channel as it helps us grow and bring you more quality resources. More of our work can also be found on our website at pe.lmsl.net where you can join our movement. I'm Aditi Kutti. Thanks for tuning in.